Chapter Two of the Mysteries of Paris, Volume Six by Eugène Sue. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Rodolphe and Sarah. Part One. A salutary crisis had occurred, which relieved the Countess MacGregor from the delirium and suffering under which, for several days, her life had been despaired of the day had begun to break when sarah seated in a large easy-chair and supported by her brother thomas satan was looking at herself in a mirror which one of her women on her knees held up for her this was in the apartment where la chouette had made the attempt to murder the countess was as pale as marble and her pallor made her dark eyes hair and eyebrows even more striking and she was attired in a dressing-gown of white muslin give me my bandeau of coral she said to one of her women in a voice which although weak was imperious and abrupt betty will fasten it on for you said satan you will exhaust yourself you are already very imprudent the bandeau the bandeau repeated sarah impatiently who took this jewel and arranged it on her brow now fasten it and leave me she said to the women the instant they were retiring she said let m ferrand be shown into the little blue salon then she added with ill-dissembled pride as soon as his royal highness the grand duke of gerolstein comes in let him be introduced instantly to this apartment at length said sarah as soon as she was alone with her brother at length i trust this crown the dream of my life the prediction is on the eve of fulfilment sarah calm your excitement said her brother to her yesterday your life was despaired of and to be again disappointed would deal you a mortal blow you are right thomas the fall would be fearful for my hopes were never nearer realization of this i feel assured for it was my constant thought of profiting by the overwhelming revelation which this woman made me at the moment of her assassination that prevented me from sinking under my sufferings again sarah let me counsel you to beware of such insensate dreams the awakening would be terrible insensate dreams what when rodolph learns that this young girl who is now locked up in st lazare and formerly confided to the notary who has passed her off for dead is our child do you suppose that satan interrupted his sister i believe he said bitterly that princes place reasons of state political conveniences before natural duties do you then rely so little on my address the prince is no longer the ingenuous and impassioned youth whom you attracted and swayed in other days that time is long ago both for him and for you sister sarah shrugged her shoulders and said do you know why i was desirous of placing this bandeau of coral in my hair why i put on this white dress it is because the first time rodolph saw me at the court of gerolstein i was dressed in white and wore this very bandeau of coral in my hair what said satan you would awake those remembrances do you not rather fear their influence i know rodolph better than you do no doubt my features changed by time and sufferings are no longer those of the young girl of sixteen whom he so madly loved only loved for i was his first love and that love unique in the life of man always leaves ineffaceable traces in the heart trust then brother trust me that the sight of this ornament will awaken in rodolph not only the recollection of his love but those of his youth also and for men these souvenirs are always sweet and precious 
but these sweet and precious souvenirs will be united with others so terrible the sinister denouement of your love the detestable behaviour of the prince's father to you your obstinate silence to rodolph after your marriage with the count macgregor he demanded his daughter then an infant your child of whose death ten years since you informed him so coldly in your letter do you forget that from that period the prince has felt nothing but contempt and hatred for you pity has replaced his hatred since he has learned that i am dying he has sent the baron de groen every day to inquire after me and just now he has promised to come here and that is an immense concession brother he believes you dying that you desire a last adieu and so he comes you were wrong not to write to him of the discovery you are about to disclose to him i know why i do so this discovery will fill him with surprise joy and i shall be present to profit by his first burst of softened feeling to-day or never he will say to me a marriage must legitimize the birth of our child if he says so his word is sacred and then will the hope of my life be realized yes if he makes you the promise and that he may do so nothing must be neglected under these decisive circumstances i know rodolph and once having found his daughter he will overcome his aversion for me and will not retreat from any sacrifice to assure her the most enviable lot to make her as entirely happy as she has been until now wretched however brilliant the destiny he may assure to your daughter there is between the reparation to her and the resolution to marry you in order to legitimize the birth of this child a very wide abyss her father will pass over this abyss but this unfortunate child has perhaps been so vitiated by the misery in which she has lived that the prince instead of feeling attracted towards her what are you saying cried sarah interrupting her brother is she not as handsome as a young girl as she was a lovely infant rodolph without knowing her was so deeply interested in her as to take charge of her future destiny and sent her to his farm at bouqueval whence he carried her off yes thanks to your obstinacy in desiring to break all the ties of the prince's affection in the foolish hope of one day leading him back to yourself and yet but for this foolish hope i should not have discovered at the price of my life the secret of my daughter's existence is it not through this woman who had carried her off from the farm that i have learned the infamous deceit of the notary ferrand it would have been better to have awaited the young creature's coming out of prison before you sent to request the grand duke to come here awaited and do i know that the salutary crisis in which i now am will last until to-morrow perhaps i am but momentarily sustained by my ambition only what proofs have you for the prince and will he believe you he will believe me when he reads the commencement of the disclosure which i wrote from the dictation of that woman who stabbed me a disclosure of which i have fortunately forgotten no circumstance he will believe me when he reads your correspondence with madame seraphin and jacques ferrand as to the supposed death of the child he will believe me when he hears the confession of the notary who alarmed at my threats will come here immediately he will believe me when he sees the portrait of my daughter at six years of age a portrait which the woman told me was still a striking resemblance so many proofs will suffice to convince the prince that i speak the truth and to decide him as to his first impulse which will make me almost a queen oh if it were but for a day i could die content 
at this moment a carriage was heard to enter the courtyard it is he it is rodolph exclaimed sarah thomas seyton drew a curtain hastily aside and replied yes it is the prince he is just alighting from the carriage leave me this is a decisive moment said sarah with unshaken coolness for a monstrous ambition a pitiless selfishness had always been and still was the only moving spring of this woman even in the almost miraculous reappearance of her daughter she only saw a means of at last arriving at the one end and aim of her whole existence satan said to her i will tell the prince how your daughter believed dead was saved this conversation would be too dangerous for you a too violent emotion would kill you and after so long a separation the sight of the prince the recollection of bygone times your hand brother replied sarah then placing on her impassive heart tom satan's hand she added with an icy smile am i excited no no not even a hurried pulsation said satan amazed i know not what control you have over yourself but at such a moment when it is for a crown or a coffin you play your calmness amazes me and wherefore brother till now you know nothing has made my heart beat hastily and it will only throb when i feel the sovereign crown upon my brow i hear rodolph leave me when rodolph entered the apartment his look expressed pity but seeing sarah seated in her armchair and as it were fully dressed he recoiled in surprise and his features became gloomy and mistrustful the countess guessing his thoughts said to him in a low and faint voice you thought to find me dying you came to receive my last adieu i have always considered the last wishes of the dead as sacred but it appears now as if there were some sacrilegious deceit be assured said sarah interrupting rodolph be assured that i have not deceived you i believe that i have but very few hours to live pardon me a last display of coquetry i wish to spare you the gloomy symptoms that usually attend the dying hour and to die attired as i was the first time i saw you alas after ten years of separation i see you once again thanks oh thanks but in your turn give thanks to god for having inspired you with the thought of hearing my last prayer if you had refused me i should have carried my secret with me to the grave which will now cause the joy the happiness of your life joy mingled with some sadness happiness mingled with some tears like all human felicity but this felicity you would yet purchase at the price of half the remainder of your existence what do you mean asked the prince with great amazement yes rodolph if you had not come this secret would have followed me to the tomb that would have been my sole vengeance and yet no no i shall not have the courage although you have made me suffer deeply i yet must have shared with you that supreme happiness which you more blessed than myself will i hope long enjoy madame what does this mean when you know you will be able to comprehend my slowness in informing you for you will believe it as a miracle from heaven but strange to say i who with a word can cause you pleasure greater than you have ever experienced i experience although the minutes of my life are counted i experience an indefinable satisfaction at prolonging your expectation and then i know your heart and in spite of the fierceness of your character 
i fear without preparation to reveal to you so incredible a discovery the emotions of overwhelming joy have also their dangers your paleness increases you can scarcely repress your violent agitation said rodolph all this indicates something grave and solemn grave and solemn replied sarah in an agitated voice for in spite of her habitual impassiveness when she reflected on the immense effect of the disclosure she was about to make to rodolph she was more troubled than she believed possible and unable any longer to restrain herself she exclaimed rodolph our daughter lives our daughter lives i say these words the accents of truth in which they were pronounced shook the prince to his very heart our child he repeated going hurriedly to the chair in which sarah was our child my daughter he is not dead i have irresistible proof i know where she is to-morrow you shall see her my daughter my daughter repeated rodolph with amazement can it be that she lives then suddenly reflecting on the improbability of such an event and fearing to be the dupe of some fresh treachery on sarah's part he cried no no it is a dream impossible i know your ambition of what you are capable and i see through the drift of this proposed treachery yes you say truly i am capable of all everything yes i desired to abuse you some days before the mortal blow was struck i sought to find out some young girl that i might present to you as our daughter after this confession you will perhaps believe me or rather you will be compelled to credit irresistible evidence yes rodolph i repeat i desire to substitute a young and obscure girl for her whom we both deplore but god willed that at the moment when i was arranging this sacrilegious bargain i should be almost fatally stabbed you at this moment god so willed it that they should propose to me to play the part of falsehood imagine whom our daughter are you delirious in heaven's name oh no i am not delirious in this casket containing some papers and a portrait which will prove to you the truth of what i say you will find a paper stained with my blood your blood the woman who told me that our daughter was still living declared to me this disclosure when she stabbed me with her dagger and who was she how did she know it was she to whom the child was confided when very young after she had been declared dead but this woman can she be believed how did you know her i tell you rodolph that this is all fated providential some months ago you snatched a young girl from misery to send her to the country jealousy and hatred possessed me i had her carried off by the woman of whom i have been speaking and they took the poor girl to st lazare where she is still she is there no longer ah you do not know madame the fearful evil you have occasioned me by snatching the unfortunate girl away from the retreat in which i had placed her but the young girl is no longer at st lazare cried sarah with dismay ah what fearful news is this a monster of avarice had an interest in her destruction they have drowned her madame but answer you say that my daughter exclaimed sarah interrupting rodolph and standing erect as straight and motionless as a statue of marble what does she say good heaven cried rodolph my daughter repeated sarah whose features became livid and frightful in their despair 
they have murdered my daughter the goualeuse your daughter uttered rodolph retreating with horror the goualeuse yes that was the name which the woman they call the chouette used dead dead repeated sarah still motionless with her eyes fixed they have killed her sarah said rodolph as pale and as fearful to look upon as the countess be calm recover yourself answer me the goualeuse the young girl whom you had carried off by the chouette from bouqueval was she our daughter yes and they have killed her oh no no you are mad it cannot be you do not know no no you cannot tell how fearful this would be sarah be firm speak to me calmly sit down compose yourself there are often resemblances appearances which deceive if we are inclined to believe what we desire i do not reproach you but explain yourself to me tell me all the reasons which induced you to think this or it cannot be no no it cannot be it is not so after a moment's pause the countess collected her thoughts and said to rodolph in a faltering voice learning your marriage and thinking of marrying myself i could not keep our child with me she was then four years of age but at that time i begged her of you with prayers entreaties cried rodolph in a heart-rendering tone and my letters were unanswered the only one you wrote to me announced her death i was desirous of avenging myself of your contempt by refusing your child it was shameful but hear me i feel my life ebbs from me this last blow has overcome me no no i do not believe you i will not believe you the goualeuse my daughter oh mon dieu you would not have this so listen to me when she was four years old my brother charged madame seraphin the widow of an old servant to bring the child up until she was old enough to go to school the sum destined to support our child was deposited by my brother with a notary celebrated for his honesty the letters of this man and madame seraphin addressed at the time to me and my brother are there in the casket at the end of a year they wrote me word that my daughter's health was failing eight months afterwards that she was dead and they sent the register of her decease at this time madame seraphin had entered the service of jacques ferrand after having given our daughter over to the chouette through the medium of a wretch who was now at the galleys at rochefort i was writing down all this when the chouette stabbed me this paper is there also with a portrait of our daughter when four years of age examine all letters declaration portrait and you who have seen her the unhappy child will judge these words exhausted sarah and she fell fainting into her armchair rodolph was thunderstruck at this disclosure there are misfortunes so unforeseen so horrible that we try not to believe them until the overwhelming evidence compels us rodolph persuaded of the death of fleur-de-marie had but one hope that of convincing himself that she was not his daughter with a frightful calmness that alarmed sarah he approached the table opened the casket and began to read the letters examining them with scrupulous attention the papers which accompanied them these letters bearing the postmark and dated written to sarah and her brother by the notary and madame seraphin related to the infancy of fleur-de-marie and the investment of the money destined for her 
rodolph could not doubt the authenticity of this correspondence the chouette's declaration was confirmed by the particulars collected at rodolph's desire in which a felon named pierre tournemine then at rochefort was described as the individual who had received fleur de marie from the hands of madame seraphin for the purpose of giving her up to the chouette the relentless tormentor of her early years and whom she afterwards so unexpectedly recognized when in company with rodolph at the tapis franc of the ogress the attestation of the child's death was duly drawn up and attested but ferrand himself had confessed to cecily that it had merely been employed to obtain possession of a considerable sum of money due to the unfortunate infant whose decease it so falsely recorded and who had subsequently been drowned by his order while crossing to the Ile du ravageur it was therefore with appalling conviction rodolph learnt at once the double facts of the goualeuse being his long-lost daughter and of her having perished by a violent death unfortunately everything seemed to give greater certitude to his belief and to render further doubt impossible ere the prince could bring himself to place implicit credence in the self-condemnation of jacques ferrand as conveyed in the notes furnished by him to cecily he had made the closest inquiries at asnières and had ascertained that two females one old the other young dressed in the garb of countrywomen had been drowned while crossing the river to the ile du ravageur and that martial was openly accused of having committed this fresh crime let us add in conclusion that despite the utmost care and attention on the part of dr griffon count de saint-remy and la louve fleur de marie was long ere she could be pronounced out of danger and then so extreme was her exhaustion both of body and mind that she had been unfit for the least conversation and wholly unequal to making any effort to apprise madame georges of her situation this coincidence of circumstances left the prince without the smallest shadow of hope but had such even remained it was doomed to disappear before a last and fatal proof of the reality of his misfortune he for the first time ventured to cast his eyes toward the miniature he had received the blow fell with stunning conviction on his heart for in the exquisitely beautiful features it revealed rich in all the infantine loveliness ascribed to cherubic innocence he recognized the striking portrait of fleur-de-marie her finely chiselled nose the lofty forehead with the small delicately formed mouth even then wearing an expression of sorrowing tenderness alas had not madame seraphin well accounted for this somewhat uncommon peculiarity in an infant's face by saying in a letter written by her to sarah which rodolph had just perused the child is continually inquiring for its mother and seems to grieve very much at not seeing her there were also those large soft blue eyes the colour of a bluebell as the chouette observed to sarah upon recognising in this miniature the features of the unfortunate creature she had so ruthlessly tormented as pigriotte and as a young girl under the appellation of la goualeuse at the sight of this picture the violent and tumultuous emotions of the prince were lost amid a flood of mingled tears and sighs while rodolph thus indulged his bitter grief the countenance of sarah became powerfully agitated she saw the last hope which had hitherto sustained her of realizing the ambitious dreams of her life fade away at the very moment when she had expected their full accomplishment End of chapter 2, part 1 Read by Céline Major